0: Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Lists are a part of life. Um, my mom, this is all her fault. Uh, my mom has lists about lists. Uh, she's got lists that tell her where her lists are. Uh, and then she's got lists to tell us, to tell us where the list is that tells us where her lists are. It's ridiculous. Lists are a part of our life. They're on paper they're on our phones. Uh, the, these lists are supposed to help keep us ordered. They're, they're, it's all about lists. It's the to-do lists and the the, the dreaded honeydew lists, which we all hate, but they're a part of life. They, they're supposed to keep us on track. That's why you make a shopping list, right? It, they don't matter, but we make them, and, and then we go in there and buy a lot of extra stuff and we don't even need them. There are lists that you want to be on. Like, uh, you want to be on the who's who list, Right? You want to be on the VIP list when you show up somewhere so that they know who you are and that they usher you right in, right? Well, then there are some lists that you don't want to be on. Now, some are more serious than others. Like you don't want to be on say, Santa's naughty list, right? You don't want to be on that list. That, that's a bad list to be on. You don't want to be on the no-fly list because uh, if you, I, fortunately I've never experienced that. And But I know some folks that every time they walk into the airport, it's like strip search, the whole deal. Just because their name ended up, it wasn't even them. It's just an accident. They showed up on the no-fly list. Okay, y'all haven't experienced that either. It's not fun. You definitely don't want to be on God's blacklist. All right, now most of us are not even aware that there is a God's blacklist. Um, and here's why. Y'all are still y'all are laughing. I, I I see you're like, who is that? Well, you'll figure it out. All right. Uh, I don't know who that old guy is, but I had him come and take pictures. Uh, we're not a we're not aware that God has a blacklist because I think the tendency is is that we focus so strongly on God as love that what happens is that that becomes our complete and total perspective and we we recognize that it is his premier attribute when it comes to his dealings with us in fact love is the attribute that shields us from getting what we deserve thank jesus nobody seems to be happy about his love this morning i'm just going to tell you i'm thankful for his love because if we got what we deserved uh, all right maybe not you maybe just me uh it's his love that motivated the greatest gift that he's ever given his son, that was all birthed out of his love. And so we, we focus on God as love and we should be thankful for that attribute about him. But with this intense focus on his love, then when we're told that God literally hates something, then what should happen is, is that because we have this extreme perspective about his love, when then we're told God hates something, we should set up and take notice and we should kind of lean in and listen very carefully because we don't want to be involved in what God hates. Okay, y'all, some of y'all are still asleep. I, I need to give you an hour's sleep back, I guess. You'll get a nap. Don't worry about it. Just don't take it now. So um, let's see what God hates. Proverbs chapter 6. The wisest man writes and lists for us God's blacklist. I want you to listen very carefully what he says. Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. We're going to read down through verse 19. Here is God's blacklist. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet feet that are quick to rush into evil a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community it's going to get tight in here over the next few weeks we're going to talk about the seven things that God hates Uh, one one gentleman wrote this and I think it's pretty interesting he said this he says God God has gone on record That he hates these things. God denies the thesis of liberal theology that he is some sentimental and senile old man who weeps but never works. That he simply shuts his eyes to the sins of mankind and is tolerant of evil. That he forgives because he hasn't the intestinal fortitude to punish sin. God says, I love. But he also says, I hate. That's God. That's the side of God we don't talk about very much. And so Solomon interrupts this perspective of love. And it's not that Solomon doesn't understand God's love. It's just that God has this other perspective. And he comes to this recognition that God literally hates. Solomon uses some extremely strong language here. I, I, I need you to read it just the way it's read. Don't try to clean it up. Don't try to make it like nice and neat. Solomon says God hates these things. Doesn't say He kind of doesn't like them a little bit. Doesn't say he just, I I, I guess, you know, I I, I barely stand those things. I'm disgusted by those things. No. Solomon uses the strongest language and he says God literally hates these things. Now, if you contrast the, the idea that God is love, and he is, Where now Solomon comes along and he says, listen, God hates these things. Then I would submit to you this morning that it is absolutely imperative that we figure out what God loves and love what God loves. But we must also be very aware of what God hates so that we don't get involved in what God hates. All right? And so over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to take them uh, a little bit at a time and we're going to examine... The items that God says he hates. All right, you ready? The first one. The number one item on the black list is this. Proud eyes. Proud eyes. Listen to how it's said in several other versions. Maybe it'll help you. It says, one, one version says it like this. God hates eyes that are arrogant. In another version it says it like this. God hates snobbish eyes. I like that one. Another one says, God hates a proud look. The spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. Solomon makes it very clear that the chart topper with God is pride. God despises. God loathes. God hates pride. And we already know this because we know scripture that, that, that this is truth as well. That pride always comes when? Before a fall. Right? We know that. We can quote that. We can spew that out. And we would think that that would warn us of the danger of pride because what pride does is it sets us up for failure every time. Since we're talking about lists, maybe I should make another list. Maybe I should make an example uh, list, a list of examples throughout Scripture of when pride got in the mix, and it would teach us. It's not hard to come up with, and I'm not even going to get them all because I don't even have time. I'll just give you a couple just to kind of show you, like Nebuchadnezzar. Like Samson? Uh, see, I was thinking now, like Saul? Like Pharisees? Pride. Like Ananias and Sapphira? Okay, y'all are catching it now. It's just a list. It just shows us that pride does come before destruction and pride destroys. And so God hates pride. I, I believe there are several reasons that God reasons that God hates I think one of those reasons is that God hates pride so much because of this how are people supposed to know us what is the identifiable trait of us as believers is it our Christian t-shirts is it our bumper stickers is it our hairdos is it our dress length is it lack of makeup or a lot of makeup what is it that's supposed to identify us as a believer y'all know what it is how we love, right? Okay, if we are to be known as his because we love, then we become representatives and carriers and ambassadors of his love. I think one of the reasons that God hates pride so much is because when we become pride, prideful, when we get proud eyes, if you will, it stifles and interrupts our ability to effectively represent him. When we're proud, we give love a bad name. I know the 80s folks just, see, some of y'all don't even know. Some of y'all just had a Holy Spirit moment right there. I started to sing it, you know. We give love a bad name when we're proud. If we're to be his representatives, known by his love, and we become proud to where we look down on other people, then what happens is it interrupts and it stifles our ability to even represent him well. In fact, I believe what happens is that pride destroys love. Now, here's, here's, here's the perspective that it does for us. This is what it does to our eyes. When we become prideful, if there's pride in our life and we find ourselves on God's blacklist, there are two things it does. Number one is that proud eyes block our ability to see others correctly. Remember, uh, a few months ago now, it seems like it was yesterday to me because I'm still living it and writing it and all this kind of stuff, but but it's been several months ago now, we talked about the kingdom climate that we wanted to establish in this house. Y'all remember those 17 examples? Y'all better always say yes or I'll re-preach every week. All right? Good. Okay, if you don't know them, they're out there on the comm center. You can get a little card to remind you. There are 17 characteristics of kingdom climate that we are trying to establish, and one of those kingdom characteristics is empathy, where we begin to feel what other people are feeling. Right? That's one of our kingdom characteristics. So if we are going to be empathetic, then I believe and submit to you that that we cannot become prideful because our pride blocks our ability to view people with any sense of grace or love. Pride keeps us from being able to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. That's what pride does. Instead, what happens is that when we become prideful, pride causes us to look down on, make judgments about, and diagnose without all the facts. Let me make a statement to you that I believe is gospel right here. Pride impedes grace. Pride stops grace. So let's be honest. Haven't you made a judgment about someone's situation without really knowing what that person is facing? Don't shout me down now. And this is what we do. We sit on the sidelines, and we see what people are going through. And with pride-filled eyes, we look at them, and we make statements like this. If I was in their shoes, I would. How do you know you would? How do you know? You're not facing what they're facing. You're not dealing with the issue they're dealing with. You're not facing the struggle. You haven't gone through the pain. You haven't dealt with what they're dealing with. And yet you want to sit on the sidelines and go, if I was in their shoes, I would. Would you really? Are you sure you would? Because I'm not sure we would. I'm not sure we would act any different. I, see, I, I think we said on the sidelines, and we, we say, say stuff like this. I see the choice they make, and I shake my head, and I think, man, that was a terrible decision. But I haven't dealt with what they're dealing with. And I can't really say this. I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing. Let me see if I can help you. I'll get real practical. Well, if my kid did what their kid did, I'm going to tell you right now what I would do. Not your kid. You don't know what you would do. It's getting tight in here. If if my doctor told me what they just told them, then what I would do is I would quit. Really, you would? You would? If I was in the same spot that they're in financially, then what I would do, here's the problem, you're not in the same spot as them financially, you don't know what you would do. If, If I worked there, then I would do, you don't work there. If I was married to them, then what I would do, I know y'all ain't had this conversation at y'all's house. If I was married to them, then I'm going to tell you right now how it would work because I would really, you would, huh? See, pride leads us to draw conclusions. And let me just fill you in. Here's a news flash for you this morning. No one asked you for your conclusion. Can I tell you what what they're asking for? Empathy. Empathy. That is what they're asking for. Nobody needs your conclusions. What they need is your empathy. Pride keeps us from being able to do that. Pride keeps us from being able able to see people correctly. And we make these judgments and these these decisions in our own mind based on our perspective of what they're facing. And you're not in the middle of it to know what it feels like to, to go through what they're going through. You don't know what you would do until you get there. And therefore, when we see our brothers and our sisters struggling, we see our brothers and our sisters going through a difficult time, don't make judgments, don't make conclusions. Offer empathy so that when you're going through something, they won't be sitting at home going, well, if I was in their shoes, because they're not. The second thing I think that happens is not only does pride block our ability to see others correctly, it blocks our ability to see ourselves correctly. The reason pride keeps us from being able to see others correctly is because pride causes us to overestimate ourselves and underestimate others. So what we do is we look in the mirror and we see ourselves and when we have pride in our life, we overestimate our own abilities. Okay, I know y'all have never been there, so I'll just, just, just endure for a moment. This is what I'm convinced of. Pride causes class wars. It does. That's what pride does because we don't see ourselves correctly. This is what happens. We, uh, we elevate ourselves based on some criteria that somebody else can't meet. That's what pride does. That's why we have, if we're filled with pride, that's why we have class wars based on race. Did any of you get to choose what color you were born? I didn't get to vote. I would have voted a little more tan. Just a little. Right? You didn't get to choose. But when we're filled with pride, we, we cause class wars based on criteria that we, we have class wars based on financial status. We have class wars based on material possessions. We have class wars based on talent. We have class wars based on physical appearance. All based on pride. Because we see ourselves more elevated than we should. There, it blocks our perspective. Paul deals ruthlessly with pride. At least I'm only going to mention two, but there were more than two. But he deals ruthlessly with pride when he says this in Romans chapter 12, verse three. This is what he says: He says, "As God's messenger, I give each of you God's warning." Strong language again. God's warning. Be honest in your estimate of yourselves. That would help a whole lot of us right there. Be honest with your estimate of yourselves, measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. Y'all missed it. That is the status that we are supposed to judge ourselves by, is how much faith we have. Not how good looking you are, not how talented you are, not what color you are, not how tall you are. How much faith you have. Okay, I, I wanted to aim myself on that, Woody. Those of us that are vertically challenged. All right. And then he comes again in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 3 through 7. Listen to what he says. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Can't do that if you're proud. Not looking to your own interests. But each of you to the interest of the others in your relationships with one another. Here it is. Check this out. Talk about the opposite of being on God's blacklist. Listen to this. Listen to what Paul says. He says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Well, what's the mindset? Then he tells us, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I'm going to tell you right now, if I was equal with God, I would have a tendency to use that to my own advantage. Like we would never have to go to Walmart. I would just multiply. Right? Okay. Y'all, I know y'all ain't thought of none of that stuff. I'm just thinking who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. That is the antithesis of the blacklist. Jesus showed us what it means to view himself correctly and he's trying to represent to us and illustrate for us in living flesh how we're supposed to live our life where I view myself correctly and I don't place myself above you based on some criteria that I have no control over anyway. Instead I see you for who you are. Why is it that we always start conversations like this? I'm better than. I am better than them in basketball. I am better than them as a musician. Come on, I know some of y'all. I may not be saying what you did to start your conversation, but in your own mind, some of you are having this conversation. You're talking nice to them in person, but in your mind going, "Mm Mm-hmm, I'm better than them. No doubt. I dress better than them. Mm-hmm, look at that. They think that's cool. Mm, if they only knew. If they come to my closet, I can fix them. Up. I drive. I, I'm better than them. I drive a better car than they do. I live in a nicer house than they do. I'm a better parent than they are. Have you seen how their kids act? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a better dad than that guy will ever be because have you seen the hooligans living in his house? <laughs> I'm a better businessman than them. I'm a better Christian. than them. I know y'all are so holy, y'all would never say any of that stuff out loud. I'm just trying to deal with the inner dialogue you have that nobody else knows about. See, C.S. Lewis once said this. He said, pride is essentially competitive. It is competitive by its very nature. While the other vices are competitive only, so to speak, by accident, Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. That's what pride does. It elevates our own testimony of ourselves. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. We make the standard in our lives someone else when the only standard that we're supposed to be trying to draw conclusions from is him. Him. Feel better than? Compare yourself to Jesus. Still feel proud? That'll knock you down. When's the last time you walked on water? Pride impacts our vision. Solomon says that God literally hates pride. And I believe that he literally hates it. Because it causes us to be unable to respond to effectively to the needs of others when we become proud i don't view your need correctly when we become proud i don't view me correctly and i elevate myself so that i can't even stoop down to help your need anyway in essence what pride does is it does this it builds walls between us and it hardens our heart so then, it turn in turn, it shortens our hand. So I see people in need, and I make conclusions about them. They're faking it. They could work harder. They could go get another job. They probably mismanaged their funds. They'd sit down with me. I could work them through a budget. I'd change their life. All right, Dave Ramsey. I'll put your picture out there instead. Really. they were a part of my family their family wouldn't be so jacked up they're not they never have been they haven't been blessed with some of the things that you've experienced but we want to draw conclusions and then we elevate ourselves because I do have all this I'm better than them and if they were me they wouldn't be going through all this St. Augustine says it like this He said it was pride that changed angels into devils. Then he goes on and he makes this startling statement to me. He says it's humility that makes men into angels. I just want to tell you this morning that God don't play. When Solomon says that God hates pride, let me tell you what that means in the original language. Can I tell you? It means he hates pride. We don't have to dress that up, try to clean that up. It literally means that when we operate in pride, we are removing ourselves out from under his love and we become targets of his hate. I've experienced the depth of his love. If his hate is as deep as his love, then I can tell you this morning, I don't want to experience his hate. And so that means I have to adjust my own perspective about you. And it means I have to adjust my own perspective about me. And I have to see myself correctly so I can see you correctly. And I'm going to tell you right now, you might have a strut that is competitive with John Travolta in Saturday Night Live. I wish I could strut like that. Or Ric Flair, whatever floats your boat. You've got the strut of all struts. But if you would see yourself correctly and see others correctly, it would end your strut. And you would walk in humility and understand that we are where we are. On one standard and standard alone. His grace. So I can't be harsh with you. And I can't draw conclusions about you. I don't know all the facts. But you can't draw conclusions about me because you don't know all the facts of my life either. So we're in this together and we just offer grace on every turn so that we stay off of God's blacklist. Father, this morning, my prayer is simply this. Help us. Help us. God we need your help it's easy to think more highly of ourselves than we ought and it's easy to look down on others God I pray that you would give us the right perspective this morning as we deal with this issue of pride in our lives because we do not want to be on the blacklist. we want to experience your love not your hate I ask you to do this in Jesus name would you stand with me this morning I don't think we mean for it to happen. But I've noticed sometimes that pride seems to slip in more easily than any other sin. You know, it's funny to me, we become proud of the stupidest stuff. Nobody's a sinner like I'm a sinner. Nobody's got it it's, I'm the worst. Of, that's pride. That's, it's reverse pride. So it can slip in on either side, but this is what I know. If sin is there and that pride is there, according to Scripture, God hates it. It sets us up for failure. It causes us to fall every time. And I don't want you to fall. So this morning I'm just going to give you a few moments to find a place to pray. Maybe you want to just kneel at your seat, maybe you want to come to the front as as uh, Kim and Abby play and sing. Would you just take a moment and I just want you to very carefully examine your own heart and ask God to remove every aspect of pride in any area so that when you begin the statement I'm better than or in your own mind you have this dialogue if I was in their shoes, if the, if I got if if they were me and instantly the Holy Spirit will convict you and you'll remove all pride so that we don't end up on the blacklist would you find a place to pray and then Pastor Woody's going to come and close us after this but I just really sense we need to take some time and examine our own heart